Glad to have you joining with us this morning uh, here uh, at our Bayside campus as well as those who join with us at uh, our campus in Stevens Point and those who uh, watch us on television all across northeastern Wisconsin, actually all northern Wisconsin now, uh, as well as those who watch us on the internet. We have thousands of people all over the country who uh, are being touched by the ministry from the church here. Just had a lady this morning I just met. She says she listens to us uh, on uh, the radio in Michigan. So we're touching all kinds of people, just making problems for the devil. Amen. So, uh, <clears throat> hallelujah. Um, a quick plug again for our Manly Men's Conference that's coming up uh, August 8th and 9th. I don't know uh, how many of you read uh, USA Today. But uh, this last week, there was a, uh, on the front page of the lifestyle section, a whole section on manly men in churches. I don't know how many of you saw that, but uh, a great article about how churches are reaching out to men and challenging men and teaching men how to be real men. And uh, two of the three men that they interviewed for that article are going to be at our Manly Man's Conference. So uh, this, this is, uh, we are getting the top of the top guys in the country, even recognized by uh, newspapers all across the country, as some of the top experts in the world on this subject. And they're going to be here, and we are going to have ourselves a riot, and just a great time celebrating. Jimmy Bratcher's going to be here, the blues band, um, uh, and, and uh, we're just going to have a whole lot of fun. So if you haven't signed up for this yet, make sure you do for the Manly Man Conference. Get your thing out there, sign it up, and let us know. We also have some free ones yet to give away, so if you uh, have any financial problems in coming, um, you know, go ahead and just fill it out and write in Laugh Your Way, because it's going, all this is going through our Laugh Your Way organization, <clears throat> and, uh, and we will take care of that for you. Also, if you, some guys, they can come, but it's, they can't afford to bring their kids, their sons with them, uh, then sign your sons up for the freebies. And get them here and get your boys in on this. They should be a part of this. They should learn. They, they need to hang with other guys and let them see what real men are all about. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so anyway, sign up for that. Don't forget about it. It's coming up. It's going to be fun. Also, uh, we had the uh, sign up for the Packer game. What is that called? concession stand that uh, Celebration Church is going to be running one of those and uh, we still need some people to sign up now the uh, Packers and Vikings and Packers and Cowboys filled up very quickly can't imagine why but, uh, but we got some other games out there that we need some volunteers to uh, man the booths and, uh, and it's fun being inside Lambeau and, and all the excitement and stuff like that so uh, there's, there'll be a sign, a sign up sheet back there see Pastor Dan check it all out and get involved in that okay this morning's message is entitled, Don't Have Lunch with a Snake. Reading from 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. <clears throat> Paul is writing to them. He says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And he's really speaking about one particular guy, if you read it in context. He says, and what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Why? In order that Satan might not outwit us. Why? So Satan will not outwit us. He says, why? For we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, it's interesting that Paul was writing about just one guy who was causing problems in the church. 
and he would deal with it in the most basic of ways. We read about it in 1 Corinthians. We won't get into the details of what it was all about. But it was causing problems. It was disturbing people. He dealt with it in a very, very strong way. And, uh, and was writing about, you know, now it's time to accept the guy and forgive him and, and make it all right. Uh, so, you know, uh, the, the reason I want to point that out, uh, there have been a lot of people who've gotten the impression <laughs> from a series of messages I've been preaching this summer uh, that we have lots of people in the church who give me grief about stuff. And, uh, and, and I need you to know this morning, we do not have lots of people that give us grief about anything. Uh, we have some 3,000 people who attend uh, as part of our congregation uh, and, and all the Celebration Church put together. And I got to tell you, um, of the thousands of people who attend our church, if you hear me talking about something, it's usually from one or two comments. That's it. It's not very big at all. Uh, now, a lot of pastors would not respond to stuff from just a few comments. You notice that I freely jump in with both feet. Uh, and, uh, and some would say, you know, well, you know, you, you shouldn't respond to just a few things. But you know what? I always have. Uh, it's one of the ways that you keep garbage out of the church. And I got to tell you, um, you know, there's a, there's a Proverbs. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 14.4. You don't have to pull it up. But uh, it says, where there is no ox, the stall is clean. And I love that verse. Why? Because what it says, if you have an ox, you're going to have ox poo. That's just the reality. You get a bunch of people together, there's going to be poo involved. It's just, you know, and I know people who just freak out when there's poo. Oh, just, can you imagine a farmer around here getting up on, on a early morning and walking in and just start crying because there's poo everywhere? I cleaned it up yesterday, there's poo again. Of course there's poo. There's always poo. That's life. In fact, it's a sign of life. If you quit having poo in your barn, that's a bad sign. <laughs> your cows are very sick or they're dead, all right? But I got to tell you, and all honestly from the bottom of my heart, and it was like this in Stephen's point, Pastor Lathan and I have talked about this a lot. Um, you know, I've been in this for 35 years. He's been it longer. You know, together with over 70 years of ministerial experience. Actually, you add all this up, but we've been around for a long time. This is, without question, the most poo-free church I've ever been in in my life. I mean, it just is. It just is. It's just, it's truly amazing. We're, honestly, at times we just go, this is just, because we don't have all the whining and backbiting and stepping up. And we don't have politics and all this nonsense. We just don't tolerate that nonsense. We just don't have it. And thank God, when we get together with our elders group, there's no battles going on. There's no fighting and stuff. Man, we're just one heart, one mind, one accord. Virtually every meeting we have and everything we decide, uh, going back to point, and since we've been here, it's been virtually 100% unanimous decision. We don't have problems, you know. I say, well, why do you do what you do? Because, you know, I, you ever see that game Whack-A-Mole? You know what I'm talking about? Where the little mole pops up and you got to whack it and knock it out. Now, there's really not that many moles at any given time. Sometimes there's one, two, at the max you'll have three moles. That's kind of what I do. I'm a mole whacker. <laughs> and uh, uh, actually, I'm pretty good at that game. <laughs> I've been known to get 100%, man. Uh, just whack. Why? Because Paul said that we need to be careful. We need to deal with these things, get them working right. Why? Because he says that 
we are, we are not aware, unaware of Satan's schemes. I love the way King James Bible puts it. He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, honestly, I got to tell you, when I read that verse that he says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, I've always wondered who the we is in this verse. Because I got to tell you, most of the Christians I know throughout my lifetime have been incredibly ignorant of Satan's devices. I mean, just keep marching into the same hole over and over again, into the same trouble, and you just, I said, Paul says we're not ignorant. I said, who is the we? It must have been him and his guys or something. Or maybe that church, I don't know. But sadly, the church today is incredibly ignorant. And I have seen churches that struggle over and over and over again with the same stupid issues. They're always the same stupid issues. There's a handful of them on one hand, over and over again. Maybe because the pastors are afraid to deal with them and challenge stuff, people about them. But, you know, we're not supposed to be ignorant. We're supposed to deal with these things clearly and openly. So today's message is about how to know and be aware of Satan's schemes. Now, to get a good summary of how Satan likes to work and so that we will not be ignorant of Satan's devices, I thought we would take an, uh, a look this morning at how Satan works. Now, you, to get a great picture of this, you go back to Genesis, the third chapter, verse 1, because we see Satan first arriving on the scene uh, after mankind comes into play uh, in the Garden of Eden. And Genesis 3, 1 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now I want you to take a look at what happened here. This is what I call Satan's three-point plan for causing trouble. Number one, Satan had to find a vessel. Now, it says the serpent did this, and the serpent paid a price for it. But I promise you, this is Satan who was speaking and using the serpent, Okay. Uh, just the serpent was dumb enough to say, sure, use me. And the, so the first thing Satan loves to do and at, at any given time, number one, he finds the vessel, somebody he can use. Now, these are not necessarily evil, evil, wicked people. And to show you an example of that, I want us to look at Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now, it, it, we're about to read here at, at uh, starting at verse 21. But just to give you a setup here, what happens is Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're having huge crowds following Jesus all over the place and miracles and stuff. And everybody's so excited. And Jesus asked his disciples one day, he says, who is everybody saying that, that they think I am? And they said, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others say that you're some prophet from the Old Testament that's come back and with great power and, and they're giving them all these accolades, everything they're hearing people talk about. And then Jesus stopped and said, but who do you guys say that I am? And Simon Peter spoke up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus praises Peter and says, man has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. You are in tune with God. God has opened your eyes to see this. Yes, I am the Messiah. Okay? Now, the very next verse is where we're going to start. He just said to him, God has revealed this to you. Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So the very next verse. From that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. By the way, it is amazing 
you know, because when this all happened, they were all completely freaked out and shocked. They went to Jerusalem, the elders arrested him, he was crucified, and then he raised from the dead, and they're all going, oh, that was amazing. When he told them over and over again, that was exactly what was going to happen. Just sometimes we're just zing, 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 zing. We don't get it, okay? But he's telling them plainly. But check what happens. Peter goes and takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke Jesus and says, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, the man who he just had praised, and said, God has revealed this to you. And he turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Ouch. I mean, one minute, you're getting, way to go, Peter, you're listening to God. And the next minute, you're the devil. Now that would cause some people to be a little confused. Would you not think? How is that possible? How is it possible? I'll tell you, because the devil is able to come in and even use the most wonderful people in the world to get sucked into his schemes. And he can use them. Now, when I say that some people are snakes, I'm not saying that the vessel is evil. I'm using snakes as an example of being used by Satan. Sometimes these people are wonderful, great, fabulous people who are just ignorant. Peter was being ignorant here. A lot of times people in churches and in faith community are just ignorant as can be and we get caught in the same goofy schemes and Satan uses us to cause trouble and confusion in the church. So it's not that the vessel is bad, although there are consequences for being the vessel. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, um, now, just so you know, we're very clear here. I'm not talking about demon possession here. I, first of all, I don't believe that born-again, spirit-filled people can be demon-possessed. There's people who disagree with me, but they're possessed of the devil. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. So we don't agree. So what? Get in line. But uh, um, it's not a matter of possession. He, Peter wasn't out of control and foaming at the mouth and couldn't control himself. He could control himself. He was just duped into listening to thoughts that were being inspired not by God but by the devil. And this is right after he had been listening to thoughts inspired by God. Pretty fascinating stuff, huh? So, number one, the devil's got to get a vessel. And sadly, way too many people sign up at the table for that. I'll be a vessel. Oh, yeah, go ahead, use me. And the next thing he does is he gets people to question things. And it's okay to question stuff, you know, in a, in a way of really wanting to know information. But there's this kind of sneaky, whiny questioning. And, and what, did, what did the serpent say to Eve? He says, did God really say why is that why are things the way that they are why is this church run the way that it is why is that of course people go I don't know why is that and they start getting sucked into questioning and looking for you know why do they have so much smoke at the beginning of church with all these lights <laughs> why is that that's because the people who smoke in our church, that's their ministry. They sit in the back and go, <laughs> well, no, you know, you got to give everybody their gifts, you know, and their abilities. <laughs> it's not really smoke. It's just a water-based haze. You should be able to breathe fine. 
But you know, you know we just start questioning. Oh, what? You know, how come? How come? Why is that? You know, the pastor walked by me and didn't shake my hand, didn't even acknowledge me. Why is that? <laughs> and then number three, exaggerate the situation. So number one's got to get a vessel. Number two, start going, why is that? And then exaggerate. Why did the pastor walk by me? Because he clearly hates me. He doesn't like, he's too important. He thinks he's too above people like me. You know, who exaggerates stuff? Because that's what the devil does, all right? With the serpent. First of all, he comes, did God really say? And then he says, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Is that what God said? That you couldn't eat from any tree? No, he said, you can eat from any tree you want, except one. But here comes the questioner. Did God really say? He said, you couldn't touch any tree at all. Exaggerate, exaggerate. Find a vessel, get him the question, and then exaggerate. This is Satan's formula for causing trouble among people of faith. Have you noticed that things are this way? I don't know why. Well, it's probably, and then they exaggerate, and they wind up getting people all upset. Now, two things here. One is I'm trying to encourage you not to be that vessel, although virtually all of us have been guilty of it at some time, including me, you know. We just get caught up. We just look at stuff and all of a sudden we, we start exaggerating and what we don't realize is the devil is using us to upset people over nothing. But number one, don't be the vessel. Number two, when you hear the vessel, don't listen to them. Recognize it. Don't have lunch with the snake. Sit down, talk about it, discuss it in detail. Watch out for this stuff because it'll get you all upset about stuff you weren't upset about in the first place. Does that make any sense? Here's some examples. Have you noticed that they're changing things in the youth department? Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Why is that? It's because they don't care about our young people. See, there's the exaggeration. They're changing things. Why is that? Well, because they, they're not really concerned about. Or perhaps doesn't really care about. And this is an exaggeration. And all of a sudden you get people all upset over it. Nothing. Getting all upset and stirred up and people causing division and strife. You got to be careful about that kind of stuff. Because it can, instead of bringing health to a congregation, that's how the devil gets in and starts tearing little things apart. By the way, we are changing things in our teen department. And uh, uh, we are doing not, not a really a massive change. We're still going to do our 180. They're going to still have their programs and stuff like that. But one of the changes that we're going to do, and there's a number of reasons for it, but the fundamental reason is for the last 20 years at least, the model of ministry to youth in America, in evangelical churches like ours, has been find some young, energetic, charismatic guy and build it around him. Okay? And... Uh, you know, they have all their exciting things and they do their fun things and da 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 and they teach the Bible and stuff like that. But it is, I'm convinced in my heart of heart, and I've talked with this uh, for, at no end with my staff and, and our elder group and stuff like that. I just think it is a flawed model. We're not being successful. What we're successful is we can get them to a meeting for a while. But one of the biggest problems that we're having in evangelical Christianity, and this is alarmed across the board, you can hear about it on Focus the Family and, and all these different organizations are all talking about this, up to 80%, up to 80% of the young people going through our evangelical churches by the second year in college have totally given up on their faith. I mean, it's not working. 
There are kids who've gone through our program here. And it's been a fabulous, exciting, life-changing, thinking-altering, everybody in town envies program kind of things. But you got to sit back and look at the fruit. Where are those kids today that have been going through that? There's kids I, I know of who've gone through this program, man. Young guys, young girls, they've had sex with so many people, they, 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 they don't even know the count anymore. We had a funeral for, for some uh, kid who'd been through the program not too long ago, out partying late at night and being crazy and got in an accident. And we had the funeral here. It was heartbreaking. We're not talking pagans out on the We're talking people who've been through our youth program. And I don't know what our percentage is, but I know nationwide is up to, for those who are doing the surveys, up to 80%. It's not working well. The problem is as soon as you start to change something, all the snakes come out. So why are you changing it? Why is that? You don't really care. Getting people all upset and stuff like that. Man, don't do that, number one. And if someone's doing it, don't listen to them. Of course we care. We're trying to do something that will be more effective and life-changing. And we might change it a few times so we find out exactly what that combination is. But what we're going to try to do, instead of building it out just around one guy who's been Pastor Ross this whole time, who, by the way, is trying to be the youth pastor and the, and the music worship leader and helping with counseling and all the other stuff that we have around here, Instead of just building around one guy, what we're going to try and do is get some of you to get involved in there and get back there and mentor these kids. Again, the program will run as it is, but instead of one guy all the time, there'll be different guys, different youth people, uh, young adults, older couples coming in and sharing and teaching with them and trying to give them basic down-to-earth Christianity experiences. So it's not so much just about partying and having a good time, but we need to teach them, we need to mentor them into being the young adults that God has called them to be. People get so upset sometimes, and they argue. They argue to keep a certain program, but it's like listening to people on the Titanic screaming at you on why it's such a great ship. <laughs> I love this ship. It's a fabulous ship. It's a great, not wrong ship. Look at the ship. This is a great ship. Look at this. We got all these things. It's sinking for crying out loud. <laughs> we can do better. Uh, you know, here's, here's something I've had uh, a few times over the last several months. People who are asking the question, have you noticed there's so many infants in the church service? Have, have you noticed? Why is that? Why? Is, is it because they're doing such a poor job in our nursery? See, there's the exaggeration. And somebody goes, oh, wow, I guess I didn't notice that. Oh, I guess there are infants. Oh, I don't know. Maybe there's, oh, we got to really fix our, you know. Calm down. Don't be getting people riled. Quit asking, why are there more infants than normal? Two, well, there's several reasons. Number one is, it doesn't bother me. I don't freak out. There's a lot of pastors who just have a cow if they say smaller children in the adult service uh, because they might make noise or something. You know, now if they're screaming, be, get a clue, stand up and go in the back and you know, you can hear back there, be, you know, be considerate stuff like that. But, you know, you've got new people coming to church. They're not comfortable just sending their kids off as soon as they walk in the door. Some think about that. They're walking in for the first time. They say, here, give me your baby. <laughs> and, and those children, here, let me take them away from you. You know, I mean, some of y'all coming in here, you're still not quite sure we're not a cult. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
finally you decide to come to church. Okay, someone's trying to take my baby, you know. We're just not going to do that to people. Okay, well, we have a fabulous nursery. We have a fabulous children's program. We have an incredible program for the grade school kids. It is amazing and wonderful. And, uh, and, and we want to encourage you as much as, as possible. You know, plug your kids into that stuff. You know, this is kind of a PG-13 service, by the way. This is an adult service. There's days I'll be talking about stuff you don't want your kids asking you questions about later. But that's your call, okay? But it's not that something's wrong. Why is that? Have you noticed? Why is that? Is it because? Exaggerate. Have you noticed? Why is that? Is it because? Exaggerate. Don't do that and don't listen to people who are doing it. Some of them are wonderful, wonderful people who are just like Peter, who've just gone from being used of God to being a snake. So when I say don't have lunch with a snake, I'm saying don't engage with people who get to ask you questions you weren't even asking in the first place. That's the crazy thing about it. I'll say, well, did you know? And you'll go, no, I didn't know. I guess I never thought about it. You know, and the thing that always drives me crazy, it's, it's the people, second generation, who get more upset than the per- person who had the questions in the first place. Have you ever noticed that? Someone will get upset about something, and then they'll tell somebody else about it, and those people are always ten times more upset than the person who was upset in the first place. I'll, ca- I'll catch people in that stage, and they're just, Aah! And I'll finally calm them down, and I'll go to the original person who said it, and I'll go, wow, I wasn't really that upset in the first place. Well, then shut up. (laughs) Don't be getting people upset. Don't get involved in people making you ask questions you weren't asking in the first place, get you upset with their exaggerations. And if you do have questions, you can always come. But if you do have legitimate questions, go to the people who can answer the questions. If you have a question about the uh, ushers group, Go and ask the guy in charge of the ushers. You know, don't be sitting there asking someone, did you notice the way the ushers were walking around confused today in the service? Why is that? Are they drinking the wine in the back before they come out here? (laughs) You know. Come on, get ready for the service. Hallelujah. Goodness, just go to the person who can answer the question, which usually is not me, by the way. I mean, you can come, and, but you'll see this blank look upon my face because I don't know what's going on. You know, go to Pastor Lathan. Go to people who know what in the world is happening in the, in, the, in the details of the church. That's fine. You can ask all those questions in the world that you want. But watch out for that some point. Really, the reality is, number one, don't be that way. But number two, at some point, as you grow in your faith, and we're all growing in our faith, but at some point, I need to challenge you, you need to grow enough that you can discern when Satan is using somebody to discourage you and get you upset about stuff. Uh, I can step in, other people can step in, but at some point, you need to catch it. You need to be sensitive enough to realize that this is just something that's getting me upset about nothing that I wasn't upset about in the first place. So that's what Satan does. And he does it all the time. And just like he did with Peter and others. And again, Peter, man, I, you know, I'm not worthy to stand in the guy's shadow. And he did it. I know I've done it. A lot of us have done this. I mean, let's just be honest. We get into stuff and start questioning and exaggerating, you know, our fears and insecurities. And then we come down, but we've left a trail of freaked out people behind us. You know, let's not do that. Let's not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Know this, though. People who ask negative questions and exaggerate, getting people upset, are allowing themselves to be used by the enemy to stir up trouble and cause dissension among believers. 
And God, you just need to know this, God hates that. He doesn't hate you, but he hates it when people do this. And I want to close with this, Proverbs chapter 6. Interesting, he says, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. So he's about to list six things God just hates. And the seventh one just really hacks him off. Here are the six. Number one, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and number seven, the one that God just really gets fried about, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Let's walk in love with each other. Let's not be stirring up people and getting people upset and causing dissension. Let's walk in Christian love. I'm going to ask our ushers to come at this time and our musicians to come back as we get ready to take communion this morning. Most importantly, let's be the kind of people that just we, where we can honestly say, you know, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of, again, there's just a handful of ways he likes to come and upset people and cause trouble in the church. And again, it's not that we have a problem with these sorts of things here, mainly because we don't tolerate, we're quick to whack the moles. But be aware of these things. Don't let yourself get all freaked out and, and, and getting all negative and stirring up and exaggerating, letting your fears, most of it's fear driven. You know, people are just, you know, they're insecure about, who they are, and if the pastor just walks out because he walks past them because he's spaced out. Can't imagine that. But, uh, you know, and they think, well, he hates me, or, you know, la, 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 la. You know, a lot of people, you know, I'll sit, <laughs> I've had several people who tell me, they see me driving, and they say, I waved and beeped at you, but you didn't, you didn't respond. Man, I'm telling you, when I drive a car, I'm on autopilot. It's, you know, sometimes I'll wake up on the wrong side of town. I don't know how I got there. Because, you know, not that I'm totally nuts, but I'm just, some people like that, you're still thinking, and you're still thinking, and you da 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 and all of a sudden, you're at Kmart, and go, I didn't want to be here. You know, what am I doing here? You know, and, and you got to turn around, and, and uh, so if you see me zooming by and not pay, I'm not mad at you. I'm just spacing out. Uh, again, don't let your fears, don't let the devil come and get you all insecure and freaked out and, and looking for trouble. If you do have legitimate concerns, if you really do think I hate you, come and ask me. If I do, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. I love you all, man. Praise God. We're getting ready to take communion here. We're identifying with the death of Christ. His body broken so we could be whole. His blood shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. He was crucified for us. Have we allowed our selfishness, our sinful nature to be crucified with him? As believers, every time we take communion, we need to ask ourselves, am I living a crucified life? Am I dying to myself? Or am I allowing my selfish nature to get in the way between me and my relationship with God, my relationship with my church, my relationship with brothers and sisters around me? Am I dead to myself and letting Christ live through me? That's the number one question. Every time we take communion, you need to ask yourself. And for those of you who are here maybe and, you know, you, you've never, maybe you're visiting for the first time. I don't know, maybe you've been here for years, but you've never truly surrendered your life to God. This is a great time for you to do that. We're going to all bow our heads together right now.
And I want you to pray this prayer with me. If, if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can experience this wonderful gift of forgiveness today that we celebrate in communion. You can begin your life of faith this morning. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and pass out uh, the communion this morning. If you're a first-time guest or visitor, you can join with us. You don't have to be a member of our church. If you're a believer in Jesus, that's all we ask. Just take the bread, then either the wine or the grape juice. Grape juice is the outside ring. The rest of it's all wine. But don't take it right away. Just hold it, and then we'll take communion all together after everyone's been served.